Hi, I'm Jack Coleman. And I'm Eliana Stanford, and we are back again, providing you an intimate look into some of the biggest stories of the D this week. First, reporter Ella Von Baer brings us an interview on the Dartmouth Dining Service's price increases. A hot topic on campus, reporter Haya Shaw talks about the issues with DDS. I'm here with Haya Shah, who wrote an article about DDS's price inflation and also subsequent price reduction following lobbying by the Dartmouth student government. Haya, what inspired you to write this article? What is the current conversation on campus around Dartmouth dining prices? Um, so when we came back from winter break during interim, we saw that prices had risen on campus. One of the main ones that led that sparked a lot of controversy, um, a lot, lot of like outrage within students, was the hop dinner special price rising from ten dollars to thirteen dollars, which was now higher than the price of the the meal, dinner meals of equivalency, which is only ten dollars. So um, from like a lot of students were talking about it. I overheard other students talking about it. My friends were talking about it. Um, in the Dartmouth newsroom, everyone was talking about it that they were um, outraged that the price had risen and a lot. Of prices are like meal prices are a lot higher than the meal pri- the meal price equi- meal swipe equivalency that we have and um it doesn't seem like dds has any plans of increasing the meal swipe equivalency which is making it very hard for students especially freshmen to stay um w- with positive dba because we only have freshmen only have 250 dollars uh, 250 dining dollars which makes and it runs out really quickly like it's what the fourth or fifth week of school and i'm already on like 50 dba which is obviously i've also spent a lot out but most students I know around in that kind of situation. So um, if all students I know on campus are talking about it, are enraged about it, and going to FOCO every day is not not a very plausible option, especially because um, sometimes the food there's not great, sometimes it's not healthy, sometimes you need a variety. And with a lot of places such as the Fern and um, the back of the napkin not taking meal swipes, um, this outrage has increased further. And then Novak shutting very early, or college not being opening on weekends, the hop late night shutting with re- being replaced by FOCO late night, and meal swipes not and the snack bars not taking meal swipes anymore. There's a bunch of stuff that's happened that's made students very disappointed with um, the activities of Dartmouth Dining Services. Did you get any indication from DDS as to how they are, as to whether an increase in theft has also affected their prices or whether they're just trying to clamp down on food theft more broadly? That's a very interesting question, actually. Um, No, I did not get any answer from DDS about food prices. Um, No, that was actually not included in any of my questions as well, because while I got a lot of student interviews um, initially about them talking about you know how they're being forced to steal because of the um, high prices. They all came back to me later saying, "Can you not like to ask to me to not quote them on that because they didn't want to be associated with the name, especially since all I like even I saw on Facebook a lot of the emails that have been sent to students that did not want to be associated with that at all. So that's why stealing has not been a part of my um, part part of the article because I had no sources to quote on it. But I think it is definitely an issue that that will increase even further as food prices increase because there are some places. Um, where food prices haven't increased, but like such as Novak, but because of increases in places such as Hop, they are forced to steal from other DDS locations um, just so that they can get a full meal and not go into negative DVA. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll just end on an anecdote from, let's call them an acquaintance. I won't mention who they are by name at all, but they were in fact caught stealing um, a bottle of Coke and also a bottle of Smart Water from Novak. Um, and then sent an email that they had been, they they were confronted with an email. Actually, I should read. I think I'll finish on an anecdote of an acquaintance who was caught stealing two drinks from Novak and was asked to repay the amount, 
um, to DDS um, to cover the loss that they incurred, which the student did. But in a follow-up email, the student also wrote about the effect of food insecurity and it was really rather a tongue-in-cheek email about food insecurity, especially given the fact that one of the drinks he stole was a bottle of water. So yeah. how far students actually need to steal or whether they're just riding this wave of theft is still yeah. up for debate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, any, any, any closing comments here? Um, no, I think students need to keep talking about this issue, you know, um, the Dartmouth coverage, the Dartmouth podcast coverage, and students just generally writing to um, the director and the DDS and just talking about this in general should make the DDS aware of what students actually want about students' demands. And hopefully they will listen, like they, they have started responding um, by reducing the price, which was a good faith, which was a move of goodwill. So hopefully um, things will move in our favor soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Well, Eliana, yeah, that that was a very interesting uh, story we got there. I'm not really quite sure how getting rid of the swipes would work, but I'm really glad we finally got a story on this. Just last night, actually, I was getting dinner at the Hop. I was looking at the different items for sale, and you know, there's the day-old sushi for eight ninety-nine. There's the fruit cups for seven dollars, and it's not even you know good fruit. And then the worst was the extra two dollars for Ritz crackers in the for eight Ritz crackers in the fruit and cheese plate. Okay, if, that's not what that's like, Yeah, actually, Jack, last night um, I opted instead of going to the hop um, to save myself into going into excessive DBA debt, I opted to go to FOCO. Um, yes, just to avoid the very issues that we are talking about here today. Um, another issue that is very pressing in students' lives on a daily basis here is the broken laundry machines. Wet laundry, long waits, $1.50, over and over again. <laughs> We've all experienced it. You know what I'm talking oh, about yeah. if you've done laundry here. Mm-hmm. Um, reporter Quinn Hall brings us an interview with Will Demel on the sad state of Dartmouth's laundry services. All right. Today I'm here with Will Damel, news writer for the Dartmouth. Thank you for being here today, Will. Of course. Happy to be here. Uh, So today we're discussing an issue all Dartmouth students are familiar with, the state of our laundry services. And it's kind of funny, my UGA actually just texted me saying that we had someone coming to fix one of our machines. So this is obviously very relatable to everyone. So I digress. Um, My first question for you is, what inspired you to write an article uh, diving into laundry at Dartmouth? So it was actually an article created by my editor, Jacob Stringer. Um, The editor is sort of on the news section create the stories and then a writer hops on them and you're sort of it's up to you to find the sources and compile the story but I was super excited as soon as I heard it um, just because as a freshman I already realize sort of the extent of this issue I've I've only done laundry a few times but it feels like it's been ineffective every single time and expensive Um, and my friends at peer institutions do not have to pay for their laundry so I was like this looks like a hot issue to hop on. Um, I'm sure people will read it because it's a pressing issue that everyone faces. Yes, you mentioned having some issues of your own. What specific issues have you had? Has it been like with the dryers, with the washers? Like what's been your... I think both of them. Um, The washers, first off, they get really sudy, um, which honestly might be user error, but I've heard everyone say it, so I'm sort of confident it's not. Um, I spoke to Kathy Hanault, who's the director of residential operations here at the college. She said to sort of limit your use of detergent um, so the sad issue doesn't arise. Um, 
but that's something I never face at home. And then the the dryers too seem to be ineffective. I'll I'll dry my whole cycle and then they'll come out moist and damp. So I'll have to rerun that cycle, and that's something that all of my friends are experiencing as well. Yeah, I've kind of had the same thing. I I live in the Chotes, and I can yeah. recall a bunch of times there was like I had to do it three times over. I mean, it was just really annoying. It's also a big. <laughs> I feel like a big time waster, not even in terms of money. Definitely. So. Going back to the money issue, um, you mentioned in your article that our Ivy League peer institutions like Columbia, Princeton, and Penn don't charge for laundry, but we do, no. one fifty a cycle. Can you tell our listeners why that is? Apparently, it's just a contract that we are forced to follow through with. Um, it was set up eight years ago, so we're eight years into a 10-year contract with our provider, CSC, so everyone uses the CSC app. Um, that's sort of the company that we outsource our laundry to. And as much as I've heard, as, as long as we're in this contract, we can't break out of it. So we signed up for paid laundry, and we have to follow through. Yeah, so as you just talked about the contrast, the, the, sorry, the contract mm-hmm. that we're under, um, after the contract is over, do you think we can see laundry services becoming free? Like, do you see that as a feasible opportunity for us? I really hope so. Um, there has been talk among administration. So I talked to Jack Wisdom, I don't know if you know him, he's also 26. Um, senator of East Wheelock House, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is very hot. He's very involved with the student government. And he said even Dean Brown um, has made discussions about hopefully moving to free laundry once this contract expires. So I think that'll be another hot topic among administration. I know they've done a lot this year. Yeah, it's great to hear, especially when, and you mentioned this in your article, our housing costs $3,600 a term. So I feel like. <laughs> It would make sense for laundry to be included yes. in that. but So I think that's all we have yeah. today. I really appreciate you coming on to the Debrief Podcast. Thank you. Of course. Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is too real, honestly. I was doing my laundry a couple weeks back, and I had to help this girl bring out her clothes <laughs> in the trash can um, before putting them in the dryer because the washer absolutely soaked every item in there. Oh, the, yeah, the, wa- the washers are horrible. And I... I feel bad for it. I live in a new dorm in, in East Wheelock and still laundry machines they're out I put set it for hot water and it's ice cold when I take <laughs> my laundry out I have to do two cycles to dry I, I'm looking forward to to getting those replaced finally in more <laughs> uplifting news yeah. we're hearing from Ryan Penny and Claire Betzer interviewing Tess Bowler on her drama focused first edition of the new column called Deep Cuts that recommends some lesser-known movies. Let's hear from her. Hi, I'm Claire. And I'm Ryan. And we're here with Tess Bowler, who's a Dartmouth 25 with a knack for film. In the first article of her new column, Deep Cuts, Tess walks us through the origin of her love for film and offers us three hidden gem dramas that are now streaming. Tess, it's great to be with you, and thanks for coming on to this week's Debrief. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. So after reading your article, it's clear that your interest in film has lasted for a long time. What is it about movies that keeps you wanting more? I think that movies are the greatest form of storytelling. I am like an avid reader as well, but I just think that the combination of visual image, which you would get from like art, the written word, which you would get from books, and then also music, like they all tell their own story and film is the only medium in which they all come together at once. And so I've just kind of seen that as like the apex of storytelling um, and like it's very emotion driven um, I'm not good at answering stuff sometimes. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, I think, I don't know if that's a good answer. Okay. 
Wow, I've never thought that much about movies. Um, but you showcase three different haunting dramas in this deep cut. Paris, Texas, Mysterious Skin, and Little Children. Did any of them evoke the same reaction that you had when you first saw Nosferatu? Um, not necessarily. I see when when I was little and I viewed Nosferatu for the first time, I like hardly remember it. Um, but I do remember being scared and I've always had like a love for horror movies. Um, and I think it's kind of because of that and other um, just like kind of other interests. I always liked spooky things growing up. Um, but as far as like emotional response, I wouldn't say like these films got the same, like evoked the same amount of fear, but they definitely did evoke the same amount of emotion. Um, Mysterious Skin is a very sad, I mean, they're all kind of very sad movies as drama movies often are, sadly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think certainly Mysterious Skin out of the three, um, was the most, uh, kind of provocative for me in terms of emotion. Um, it's serious subject matter, but portrayed in a way that you don't really expect it to be serious subject matter until about like the last half of the movie. Um, so I think that that's where it gets its power from. That's awesome. And I'm really curious to know as somebody who enjoys movies, but maybe like doesn't think about them as, as deeply. I'm, I really want to know what your film hot take is. Um, okay. Well, actually, I don't know if this is like, this is kind of pertinent because it just came out. Um, and like, I don't know if it'll be a hot take in a while, but I really liked Babylon, like the new Damien Chazelle movie that just came out. He did like La La Land and Whiplash. Um, and a lot of people are, it's getting a lot of like very mixed reviews. A lot of people are saying it's kind of just like uh, Hollywood, like, um, it's like a good way to put it. Um, it's kind of just like a, it's just like a spectacle. Like it's not, but I, I don't know. I appreciate film on like a deeper level. I do like critical analysis, but I also understand it as like an entertainment um, like platform. And I think the best movies are ones that like hit that perfect intersection between being entertaining but also being thought-provoking and I think that you can have that I think that there's like a deeply like the film discourse is like so polarized these days as far as like oh like there's like Marvel movies and then there's like art house cinema and like you can't have anything in between and nothing else exists and if you think that movies are entertainment like you're just siding with like people that are gonna destroy the industry and, and whatever and um I just think that that's total like bs and that um, you can find like a happy medium and the best films are a happy medium because I think that they should be entertaining. Awesome. I'm going to be looking out for your next essay and hopefully I'll get some new rom-coms to watch just ahead of Valentine's Day. Tess, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me again. Yeah, this is such an awesome concept. I know so many people on campus who are film enthusiasts, myself included. And like sometimes during the week as a little break, some people sneak to the nugget to see whatever's playing and they absolutely love it. It's such a relaxing time. Yeah, Eliana, I, I couldn't agree more. As somebody who's maybe not as into movies, I'm even excited about this. So check it out. Look for it in the coming weeks. But on that note, that's all for today. Consider yourself debriefed. Maybe this episode has inspired you to go to the nugget grab a bucket of popcorn and watch a movie, or, you know, complain about your dirty laundry. Treat yourself. Oh, <laughs> treat yourself, can't go. Watch out for our weekly episodes and our winter carnival long-form episode coming very soon. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. We'd like to thank some people in the making of this podcast, especially our colleagues at the Dartmouth 
Taya Shaw, Will Demmel, and Tess Bowler for their great interviews and interesting stories. And of course, our debriefed producers, Abby Hughes, John Zavras, Ryan Penny, Levi Port, Ella Von Bayer, Sam O'Donnell, Quinn Hall, and Claire Betzer. And of course, last but not least, Lauren Adler.